0: Well, great to be together. I wonder how your Easter was, from what you got up to over Easter. You may say, well, oh, it's still ongoing, I'm still on holiday. If you're a teacher, you've still got another week of holidays left. And uh, uh, Bless you and enjoy the man to you earn those holidays. Uh, I don't know how teachers do it, but uh, they'll bless you in that. We're... Um, uh, this week we're going to be finishing off a series, as John said, I'm, uh, what was the phrase, I'm here to wind everybody up, Was that the, yeah. <laughs> something like that, um, uh, no, to wind up the series, to draw a conclusion to this series, and man, what is this series, it's been, we've only had four parts, this being the final part, looking at how we overcome fear in our lives, and uh, uh, do you know, it's probably been one of the hardest sermons, this one's been probably one of the hardest sermons to prepare for, which really surprised me, because six months ago when we were mapping out the series, I knew exactly what I'd be preaching from, I knew the passage I'd be preaching from, and uh, yeah, we, had a, we had a master plan. And uh, uh, yeah, Christine's uh, holding her head in her hands and laughing at me, because uh, she knows what it's like as preachers, so often your master plan doesn't quite work out the way in in which you think it's going to come through, and uh, I guess uh, this morning what I felt in God was actually we just need to draw some threads together from the past three weeks, and uh, uh, the the title for uh, today was how to live overcoming fear. So how to do it ongoingly. We've we've talked about what the roots are behind fear and things like that. This this week, the focus was to be on how do we live a life without fear or without the hindrance of fear. And uh, we'll try and do that. But even as we start, I'd just like uh, Fiona to come and share a word she shared two Sundays ago. So uh, uh, she got all of about 20 minutes notice of being asked to do this. So uh, uh, thank you for, for Fiona for coming and doing that. That would be great.
1: Um, Three weeks ago, um, we were singing a song, and one of the lines was, um, Jesus, come have your way in us. And it really struck me. I just thought, wow, it's such a bold thing to be singing, like, come have your way in us. That's like a massive thing to ask, you know, Jesus, like, who'd done everything. And the picture that came to my mind was... um, of him entering the temple courts in Jerusalem when he just come, arrived at what we celebrate, Palm Sunday. Um, And he found people selling things and exploiting um, the temple. And he got quite cross and told them that that it was a house of prayer and they turned it into a den of robbers. And he turned the tables over. Um, And the word that I got um, was that Jesus was going to be turning tables um, in our lives. And I didn't share it that Sunday because I didn't feel it was appropriate. And then the following Sunday was when Sean was talking on overcoming fear. And it really struck me. We sang the same song again, actually. Sure. The, 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 and that prompted me. It made, it made it come to mind. And I just thought, you know, that's really in, Jesus wants to overturn tables in our lives when it comes to fear. And um, as someone who used to suffer a lot with fear and anxiety, I know that you can even fear. Jesus doing that. And um, the, the word the further bit of the word I got was that we weren't to fear him overturning tables. It wasn't something to be scared of, um, that he was coming to bring freedom.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Well done, Fierra. Thank you. That sense of God wanting to turn tables over in our lives. I wonder how you feel about that. I wonder how you found this series. I think for some of us there may be a sense of ooh, uncomfortable. The whole thing's felt a bit uncomfortable. It does feel like Jesus has been wanting to turn some tables over in our lives and say, hey, come on, these things, these are wrong things in our lives. It's time for them to be cleared out. Things which control our lives. Things which create a wrong focus in our lives. Things relating particularly with fear, relating to uh, fear in our lives. And for some of us, we may have felt a, a sense of conviction. We may have felt a sense of, yeah, God stirring something in us. And I want to encourage us, you know, when conviction arises, that's a work of the Spirit of God. And conviction is to take us somewhere, it's to lead us somewhere. It's not just to be ignored, but it's to cause us to go on a journey. It's to cause us to address issues. And maybe you've been finding over these weeks that there's been a sense of conviction, of God putting his finger on something, saying, hey, come on, it's time to allow me to deal with that fear that thing which is controlling your life, it's time for the table to be turned over. And of course, as the table's turned over, what it does is it creates space in our life for something new, clears away the old. And these are words of a loving father, a a, a gracious father saying, hey, come, come, be drawn closer to him. Why him to turn some tables over in our lives? For others of us, though, it may be that we've actually felt just a sense of condemnation. Oh, you're just no good. I'm just, I'm just no good. I, I, if only people really knew what I was like, what I'm battling with. They, t- and then you can fill in the gap. They condemn me. They judge me. They wouldn't want to know me. Or they'd give me a hug. They'd love me. They'd help me. The thing with condemnation is it says you're not good enough. And condemnation is a part of the work of the evil one. where he tries to isolate us and alienate us. And the Father's wanting to draw us closer, closer to him, saying, hey, it's safe. You can deal with these things. You can take steps to come free of fear with condemnation is even, even the very concern that somebody's going to judge us is another fear. It's another, oh, well, what if only they knew. It's a fear thing, isn't it? It's, it's part of Satan's tools. Satan loves to lie. He loves to isolate. He loves to condemn. He loves to squash and say, you're no good. He loves to put shame on us. Because it isolates us. It stops us coming to the Father. And so this morning, just as we consider, what is it to live a life without fear? You may be sitting here thinking, yeah, I I found this series really difficult, Andrew, because I've just felt I'm not good enough and I'm not getting free. And it'd be so easy to feel condemned. And the Father is saying, no, 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 no. The Father's saying, let me draw you, let me draw you into my tender love. Even some of the songs of worship this morning, reminding us how much God loves us, the Father loves us, how he embraces us. How he draws us closer. What's it going to be? Are you going to respond to the conviction of the Spirit? Do you know what? If you don't, and he is, if he is convicting you, if he's causing you to see something, eventually that conviction of the Spirit will go and that moment will pass by. Don't do that. Don't let that happen alternatively, you could feel condemned, I'm just no good, I'm just no so good, I am just good i can not break free of this. That's a lie of the evil one. He loves to bind people up in lies. He loves to bind us up in fear, fear being the opposite to faith. Fear of what people think, fear of what people will say, fear of being found out, fear of whatever it may well be. And the father's saying, hey, come on, come on, come closer. Let my perfect love cast out fear. Let my perfect love cast out fear. That's where we started this series. Three, three, I was going to say three weeks ago, three episodes, let's call it that, three sessions ago. We were in 1 John 4 where it says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete amongst us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear, no fear in love. But perfect love, perfect love, that's the love of God, God's perfect love. Perfect love drives out fear. It doesn't just combat fear, it drives out fear. It pushes it out, it forces it out of our lives. Perfect love as we welcome that perfect love because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It'd be so easy, it be so easy to finish this series and just, well, that was, that was nice, but life continues as it was. Friends, can I urge us? God actually wants to take us on a, a journey. I know it's a phrase we often use a journey of coming free of fear and living free of fear, of overcoming fear, not just once, but as a lifestyle, as a way of living. A lifestyle where we don't give way to fear, where we're not shaped and defined by fear in our lives. And so over the last... uh, Three uh, times we first of all started off looking in 1 John 4 at that passage I've just read from and really just trying to help us understand what is fear and how does fear, where does fear come from? It comes from a a fear, uh, it comes from a sense of punishment, a sense of shame, a sense of oh, I'm not going to be good enough and that love is the perfect antidote to fear. God's perfect love is what drives out fear because we don't need to Worry about punishment because we've restored with God perfectly. And therefore actually fixing our hearts and our minds on the love of God is a good thing to do. Uh, Paul, uh, writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, 1, seven says this, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of, of, of love and of self-discipline. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to let fear control our lives. We don't need to be shaped and defined by fear. But actually, the power of God's love, of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? Power and love, those those make a lot of sense. Self-discipline? Why self-discipline? Well, because we have to make choices. We have to choose, am I going to allow fear to dominate or am I going to focus on the power of God and the love of God? Because we have choices to make in life. I wonder what the choices are which you're making at the moment in your life. Perhaps over things which you find challenging, over things which you could call fears in your life. What are those choices you're making? Are they, well, I just give way to them? Do I concede to them or do I say, no, I'm, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to focus on his love. I'm going to make choices. And that's really where we started in week one. We were trying to help us understand that actually um, the temptation to fear is so great. And yet actually God's perfect love gives us a different way of living. A way of living free from fear. A way of not having to give way to fear. God's love, God's perfect love can cast out fear. Then week two, uh, Christine uh, then talked on the fear of God and how important it is to have a right, healthy, holy reverence for who God is. Understanding that God is holy, that he's just, That he's righteous and therefore we are to hold him in a right reverence. That he's not just our mate. He's not just the same as us. He's not uh, in that sense uh, on our level. But actually no, he's almighty God. He's perfectly holy. The reason we celebrate Easter is because God is perfectly holy. Holy in every way. And the reason we celebrate Easter is because God knew that mankind in his sinfulness couldn't, it was impossible to ever have a relationship with holy God. Unless that sin was dealt with. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Jesus comes as pure and holy God on earth as man. Lives a a life as a man and yet holy God And dies for the sin of the world. Why? So that we can be restored. So that we can come into relationship with holy, mighty God. But actually, we do need to have a right fear of God. Sometimes we can try and bring God down onto our level. No, He's Almighty God. Almighty God. Amen. Thank you. Have you made God into your image or are you made in God's image? Which way round do you see your relationship with God? We need to understand. We need to remind ourselves who he is because otherwise we won't live with that right reverence, that right fear of God. That's not the same sort of fear. It's not fear and trepidation in in the sense of we're, 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 we're frightened in a wrong sense. No, because his love's dealt with our sin and shame. We don't need to fear punishment. But we do need to recognize who he is. We need to recognize he is almighty God, the essence of love. And and the good understanding of the love of God, which is demonstrated to us in Christ Jesus, leads to a right fear of God. A right understanding, a right recollection. Yeah, this is Almighty God we're talking about. Holy, righteous, just, faithful, true, perfect in all of his ways, without sin. If we have a lack of a right fear of God what we can often do is allow fear of man to become greater than fear of God. And that's where suddenly all our decisions can go wrong. We can live with making immediate decisions not recognising that actually the eternal is what we have to live for. A few years ago there was a I can't remember which event it was, but one of the big Bible camps had the title, For the Audience of One. We live with that day in mind. For the audience of one, for the glory and honor of God Almighty. Not for me, not for my circumstances, not for the audience around us, not for the crowd around us to play to the crowd around us. No, we live understanding that there is a day coming. A glorious day when we'll stand before the throne of the almighty God. Where we'll give an account for our lives. Not just about sin, but actually for how we've used our entire lives. How we've lived out our entire lives. How we've been stewards of our entire lives. That's the day which is coming. For some of us it will be sooner. Sooner. For some of us, it will be longer. But friends, whether it's one day or a thousand days or 10,000 days away in your life, why not start living now in the light of that day? We need to have a right fear of God. And Sean Last time we were together looking at this subject, talked about how our past can hinder us from overcoming fear. How our past can shape us. He talked particularly about two areas. He talked about how actually uh, we could just, by making bad decisions about uh, how we live life, we could uh, become distant in our relationship with God. And in becoming distant, we really didn't live with a good sense of the fear of God and actually allowed other things to creep into our life and penetrate our life and shape us and control us. But he also talked about uh, how through traumas and situations we or others with great influence over us um, uh, experience how that can shape us and define us how it can shape and define how we live, that we have a fear of, I don't know, spiders because our mother had a fear of spiders or our father had a fear of spiders and we caught that off them, as it were. Now, that may seem like a banal example, but actually, in the same way, we can have things which control our life, which we've picked up from our parents, from our own life experiences. And Sean very honestly and openly taught about and shared about his own family situation and his own background and how that had shaped him. And actually the truth is, we've all got stories like that. We've all got stories like that. Some may be bigger and seem... Uh, greater than others, but we've all got stories like that, things which will shape us, one-off situations in our lives which could so easily shape us and control us. And so we need to understand that actually if we're not walking with Jesus, we lay ourselves open to fear getting hold of our lives because fear is the opposite of faith. If we're not outworking faith with Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus, walking with Jesus, then we are opening the door to fear. But also, we need to recognise that there can be things which have happened in our lives in the past, which can shape us and define us in a, on a larger scale, which leaves the door wide open to fear. And Sean shared about how actually, over, uh, through uh, getting closer to God, and through dealing with those issues with repentance and forgiveness where appropriate, actually we can walk free of those fears. Those fears don't have to define us. They don't have to uh, determine who we are and how we live. That was great. And I hope for some of us, faith started to stir. You think, oh, I'd like that. I wonder, was that you? Was that you last time Sean was teaching and you thought, yeah, I would love to be in that place where I could be free from that bit of my past, where it doesn't define me any longer, where it doesn't shape how I live today? The truth of the situation is you can. If you're prepared to work with God on this, if you're prepared to deal with the issues, you may need to forgive some people. You may need to take responsibility and deal with uh, how you've responded to that situation and how that may have led you into sinful behavior. But you can walk free of it. Because God's perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect life casts out fear. And so we come to this week and you may think, oh, goodness. What, we've got further to go? Yeah, we've got a little bit further to go. But don't worry, it's not much further. And you say, well, how do we live lives which are free of fear? How do we do it on an ongoing basis? Well, really, I've already explained it, but let's try and put it into some very simple terms. But before I do that, I just want to encourage you that this is not unique. Okay? Actually... Battling with fear, living without fear, with the temptation to fear but not responding to it, is common to most of the great heroes of the faith you will find in the Gospels and in the Old Testament. Whether you look at the story of Joshua or Moses or Gideon or Esther or Mary or King David or so many others, you will find actually the temptation to fear surfaces time and time and time again throughout their lives. And sometimes they get it right, and sometimes, occasionally, they get it wrong. And they give way to fear. So, friends, please don't think, oh, I'm just, uh, you know, it's just me. Nobody else struggles with this. Even those people we would love to revere and say, hey, look at these great examples. They also struggle with it. Let's be encouraged, therefore. Let's be encouraged that actually this isn't something which is just... Me and my problem with God. This is something we all will do battle with. It's Satan's greatest weapon. The temptation to respond with fear. Or to respond to fear in our lives. It's one of his greatest weapons. So how do we overcome fear in our lives? Well, very simply, two things. The first one's this, no God. What do you mean, no God? Know God. Grow in your relationship with God. Know him. Understand. Come to grow and understand who he is. You know, just earlier we were singing a song and it struck me because if we really believed what we sung, man, if we really believed what we sung, and maybe we do, life would be very different for many of us. What was the line? Perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You're a good, good father. That's who you are, who you are. You're perfect in all your ways. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that he is perfect in all of his ways? Or is it rhetoric? Is it just a nice song, it's nice music, it feels emotional, it feels, everybody else is singing it, I'll sing along. Don't think about the person next to you. Ask yourself that question for a moment. Do I really believe God's perfect in all of His ways? In other words, can I trust him absolutely? Totally.
2: You are perfect in all of your ways Perfect in all of your ways Perfect in all of your ways To us You are perfect in all of your ways Perfect in all of your ways Perfect in all of your ways ways
0: it's true it's true he is perfect in all in every possible single way he'll never let us go he'll never fail us he'll never let us down I could read lots and lots of scriptures to you. I could try to convince you by talking about how in Isaiah 41, uh, he says, fear not, for I'm with you. (laughs) In Psalm 34, it talks about, hey, uh, God delivered me from all my fears. How in uh, in Philippians 4, uh, verse 6 and 7, that 1 Peter 5, 7, it, it brings the same sort of concept of, hey, bring all your concerns, cast all your concerns on God, for he cares for us. And he will give us peace in our hearts and our minds. How in Matthew 6, it talks about how how he knows all of our needs. He'll supply for all of our needs. I could go on. I could take you to Psalm 56 and talk about show you how God is more powerful than fear. We don't have anything to be afraid of because God is more powerful than all of these things. In God, I trust I don't need to be afraid. I won't be afraid. I could talk about in Psalm 23 how God is revealed as one who guides us and directs us and who cares for our lives and our, uh, is, a, is a father who loves to look after his sheep and take us by still water. Do you know him in this way? Is he a really good father? Are we satisfied in him? Do you know that's one of the greatest forms of worship? It's when we say, I am satisfied in God. I don't need anything else. I've got everything I need. I'm satisfied in him. Totally, completely satisfied in him. Of course, if we are really satisfied in him, then what do we have to fear? Trouble or persecution, hardship. They're all temporary things. Discomfort, sickness, sure, not nice. But do I have to fear them? If he's a really good father, perfect in all of his ways, do I have to fear them? Surely not. And yet we so easily believe the lies of Satan. We so easily believe the lies of Satan. We take our eyes off our wonderful heavenly father and we listen to this grumbling voice which tries to tell us, you need to be afraid. You need to be worried. You, which allows anxiety to breed. And, and we lose the peace of God. Because somebody lies to us. Some fallen angel. Some jumped up. He's trying to destroy your walk with God. Perfect in all of his ways. Perfect in all of his ways. Let's gaze afresh on him. Let's know him afresh. You may say, well, how? Well, by being in his word. Because that's where we find a revelation of who he is. By being satisfied in him, by worshipping him, by making him the object of our worship. Through talking to him. We call that prayer, but all it is this is talking to him. Prayer sounds really, it's some major skill to learn. It's just talking with him and walking with him. Through following his Holy Spirit's lead in our life. Through being part of a church. Through being involved in a body of fellowship where we encourage one another, support one another. Where we serve one another. Where we grow and we, 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 we rub up against one another and knock each other's corners off. That's a good thing, by the way, in case you wonder. They will help us to know the Father. We can help one another know the Father. How do we overcome fear? How do we live lives where we overcome fear? We start by fixing our eyes on the Father. By knowing him. By knowing his perfect love. Which casts out all fear. And Secondly, <laughs> really, already talked about it. We trust him. We know him. We trust him. It's that simple. We put our trust, our faith. We put our faith in him. We grow our faith in him, our trust in him. We continue to grow in faith in him. We do whatever it takes to do that. You know, faith, our trust of him grows as we grow in our understanding of the word, as we read the word, as we build relationship. You know, I trust people that I know. So how do I trust God? Get to know him. How do I get to know him? Read the word, talk to him, welcome his Holy Spirit into our life, become submissive to actually all that he calls you to do. That's how we grow in trust, that's how we grow in faith. And as we grow in faith, fear will become more and more of a distant thing. The temptation to fear will always be there. Let's be clear about that. But living out of fear will become a lesser and lesser thing. Watch out for those things which drain us of faith. You know, we can grow faith, we can also drain, we can lose faith. Past history, past experiences, failures, disobedience, acts of disobedience, succumbing to temptation, to fear, believing the lies of the evil one, all those things will drain us of faith. Instead, invest in those things which grow us in faith, which grow us in a relationship with God. It's that simple. How do we live a life overcoming fear, overcoming the temptation to fear? We live a life knowing God, letting him be everything to us, letting him be our satisfaction, our delight, our pleasure, remembering that he is almighty God, not a little pocket God, but he's the great I am who is able to look after all of his creation, and he's been doing an incredibly good job of it for a very, very long time. And he's totally trustworthy. And we grow in our faith. We grow. We allow that relationship with him to grow and deepen. And just as a little child perhaps takes his first steps, where his parents are actually just hanging on to his fingertips, and gradually we take bigger steps, and we get further away until that suddenly that little child it's 20 and they've left home and they're, they're, they're pursuing their own uh, uh, relationship with a, uh, somebody else. and or, you know, The whole life cycle continues on. Well, let's grow in faith together. Friends, let's overcome fear together. Now there's one final thing which I just want to say. And this is going to lead us into our breaking of bread. We can try and do this apart. We can try and do it as, I don't know how many people in this room, let's say it's 150, 175 people, as 150, or 175 individual units, we can try and do it apart. And Satan loves that. Because if you want to win a battle, you pick people off one at a time. Or we can try and do it together. And of course, together makes an army. And armies are strong and powerful because armies look out for one another. Armies encourage one another. Armies support one another. Armies provoke one another. Armies uh, help one another when we're sick or injured or tired or exhausted or hungry. We care for one another. We stir one another, we remind one another what the goal is, what the prize is, what the big adventure is that we're on together. Of course the risk in that is when we're talking about something so intimate and so personal as the battles we are struggling with. We have to take risk. And it's a risk of being real. It's a risk of being open. It's a risk of saying, I'll trust someone else. Or even someone's, plural, else. I'll take that risk. Because I know that actually, in a group, I'm that much safer. In a group, we're much stronger together. In a group, in community, doing life together, we can win many more battles together. And that there's safety through being together. And so we have a choice. You can try and overcome fear by yourself. And in God's grace and mercy, you'll see a I believe, of the grace of God and the blessing of God in that. But I tell you what, we do it together. Wow, that's so much more powerful. That is just so much more powerful. Because we can help one another, we can encourage one another, we can strengthen one another. And so that's the choice really today. Wanting to overcome fear, wanting to live a life where we overcome fear. Let's do it together. So we're going to break bread now. We're going to celebrate this wonderful love of God we've been talking about. This perfect love of God in Christ Jesus. Nailed to the cross for the sin of the world. Nailed to the cross for my sin. We're going to celebrate his goodness and mercy and love. And we're going to do it by breaking bread together. I want to encourage us, therefore, let's do just that together. Today, don't just come and take a bit of bread and wine and go sit it by yourself I want to encourage us, get together with a few people. Maybe it's some people from your life group, if you're part of a life group. Maybe it's people who you often sit with on a Sunday. Maybe it's people you just know because they're neighbours or they're friends. Whatever, get together with a small group of people. Perhaps no more than five, let's say. That means I'm, I'm sure there'll be at least a few groups of six or seven. That's fine. This isn't law. But then actually be real. Let's share the challenges we're facing. Let's actually pray for one another as we break bread together. As we revel in the love of God, let's pray that we each know a bit more of the love of God. And let's be just a little bit more real. And let's talk about actually, hey, I found this challenging. I'm trying to work through this in my life. Would you pray for me? Don't get into ministry mode. Just pray for one another, bless one another. That's why I'm saying no more than five. May, you may even want to just do it with two or three. So you've got time just to pray for one another. Paul gives us instructions that when we come to break bread together, we're to pause and to reflect as we, as we do this. And uh, you'll find that those instructions in 1 Corinthians 11, if you want to look them up at some other point in time.